When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. Miami sneaks up on you. Or do we change and find ourselves sneaking up, washing up, ending up in Miami? a big place, bigger and more multifaceted than it's given credit for. Miami, where you are! We tend over the years to focus on Miami's, how shall I put this, party zone. It's the kind of place you say, that could never be me. And then, it is. It's a temptation that's almost irresistible. The seductions of flash, 
of palm trees, balmy nights, deco architecture, the manufactured dreams of many television shows made real. But across the causeway, a few miles down the way, there are other worlds, older ones. I think it's safe to say, better ones. West, 20 miles from the airport, tucked in yet another strip mall, is Islas Canarias. And you go there because, well, you need coffee. And because Cuba. Respect. And because Michelle Bernstein is there. Is this Miami? It was a long time getting here. You need a car <laughs> in Miami. And yes, this is like the heart of Miami. Michelle is one of Miami's most iconic, influential chefs, born and bred here. So when people say, where did you grow up? Miami. What do you say, out? Miami. Where were Miami? This is way out west. Okay. I mean, you can't get much further west than this. What's beyond here? Swampland. Um, oh, not awesome. much. Body yeah. disposal. Yeah, well, you can say that. I can't. This restaurant, we would actually come here for the seafood. And it would be elegant. Well, you'd have the you know waiters in the little bolero jacket type things, right? And usually a bow tie. Yeah. And there are still some Cuban places in Miami that still have that. This is how you drink coffee in Miami. The real places give you the milk first and then the coffee. Now, what are they called again? Those tiny little chiclets? Coladas. Coladas. And a that's, colada's a big cup with little cups. It's basically like the coffee version, the caffeine version of a one-hitter. I mean, you basically... Oh. So I'd have one of those, and then at the next place, I'd have another. And I basically, you know, get increasingly jangly as I head towards work or whatever my final destination I is. I grew up on the colada. At four, I had my first, I think, colada. Mm-hmm. We all give our babies coffee. They put their finger in it to taste it, and they all grew up loving coffee. That's good. So this is a non-judgmental uh, land, Miami. You know what? It is. You can pretty much get away with almost anything. Good coffee. I'm so glad you like it. A lot of people don't like it. Really? Well, because they think it's too sweet. And many of you watching who are dimly aware of Miami and this sandwich thing they call a Cubano that you may or may not have had before, you're thinking, yes, a Cubano sandwich. But you'd be wrong. This is not a Cubano sandwich, strictly speaking. This, my friends, is a medianoche. Close, a cousin, like a Cubano, it's got roast pork, ham, Swiss cheese, pickles, and a little mustard. And like a Cubano, it's pressed until hot and runny inside, but... You see the bread, it's darker and it's sweeter. So you have a, a real contrast with the salty pickles and the pork and the bread. You see how juicy that is? That's the telling of a good Cuban sandwich. You know what pisses me off when people try to improve on this? A lot of people try to improve on it. You can't fancify a Cuban right, sandwich. I'm exactly. sorry. How is it? Is it yummy? It's good. A lot of thought is given to the structure of the sandwich. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's all about the layers and yeah. how much of everything. Yeah. So this is the perfect breakfast, right? It's good, right? Yeah. And I always go for the salty, never the sweet. I don't care about sweet things. Yeah. Yeah. I had to give up one course of the meal, dessert, in a hot second. Oh, of course. Like cheese over dessert any day. Oh, yeah. Actually, I would rather a steak over dessert, but maybe that's because my mother's from Argentina. I don't know. 
This is my world away from the world. To me, it's my little king's domain. <laughs> There's one place I keep coming back to. It's a place where if you look deep enough, ask the right questions, you can get a whole history of Miami from one man. This man, Matt Klein. You're going to have to remember you're speaking to a 100-year-old man. I know. You so look you good. Raise your voice a little bit. You look good. If I look that good when I'm 60, I'll be happy. You know the amazing thing about being 100 is? A year ago, I was 99. Nobody paid attention to me. Didn't care. I became 100. My God. Matt Klein, the owner, proprietor, and regular bartender at Max Club Deuce, turned 100 years old this year. Yes, 100. He's still here. The cigarette smoke and dark, dank atmosphere, clearly good for a guy who's seen it all. At 73 years ago, Fort Benning, Georgia, I was in the second armor division. <laughs> Mac came to Miami in 1945 from New York's Lower East Side by way of the Battle of Normandy. I came here because I was wounded. The warm weather was much better for me. Well, there were a lot of GIs here uh, during the war, right? The war made Miami Beach for the simple reason that people were stationed here and all of a sudden they saw a world that they didn't believe. During World War II, Miami saw a massive influx of military personnel. Hotels, which had seen a sharp drop in business, made a deal with the government to house troops at the empty resorts. They told their parents about it. Their parents came down, sons came down, they opened businesses here, and it was basically Jewish at the time. And that's how it started. By the fall of 1942, more than 78,000 troops were living in 300 hotels in Miami and Miami Beach. How long have you been running the Deuce? I took over 1964. Half my life I spent here. Miami Beach has turned over at least six times since I've been here. All that neon is Miami Vice. They put it in here. This, this was their favorite bar. Yeah, but it I, makes sense, too. Because, come on. Well, it still it was very flattering. The same as how flattering it is to have you here. I love this place. I mean, I love it. It's my favorite bar in Miami. To many more. Dreamers, the visionaries, crooks, and con men who built Miami envisioned many different kinds of paradise. A new Jerusalem in the seemingly infinitely expanding real estate. Just fill in where there's water and you've got property. Or as in Coral Gables, build a new Venice, complete with the tallow Moorish Hollywood fantasy architecture and grand canals, gondolas to ferry the new seekers to their palazzos in the sun. The dream was as expandable as the space. Where there was water, there was now, magically, terra sort of firma.
And in the 80s, where there was decline, a vacuum, suddenly there was a new and vibrant economy. One that raised all boats, filled Miami with new buildings, shiny cars, swanky nightclubs, floods of cash, and a new reputation for murder and criminality to go with it. Cocaine. Say what you will. Cocaine altered the skyline of Miami forever. It made, for better or worse, Miami sexy again. Going back to the very beginning, was Miami always a criminal enterprise? <laughs> but I mean that in a good way. Outlaw culture is a very deep part of American culture. But, but Carl Hyacin says, you know, in Florida, we don't produce or manufacture anything but oranges and handguns. There is no indigenous industry. We sell sunshine. We sell you a dream. The only jobs we have are in hospitality and restaurants and real hotels estate. and real estate. It's all to sell right. the dream to the next people. In 1981, the FBI called Miami the most violent city in America. The drug industry brought in an estimated seven to $12 billion a year. And that's of 1981 money. That is a lot of trickle down. One of the most successful documentaries in the history of film is Cocaine Cowboys, which tells that story. A film made by these guys, Alfred Spellman and Billy Corbin. So things were in decline. Cocaine sort of saved, saved the city. Well, you, you would say, say so. Are you going to get in trouble? Are you going to get in trouble for it? But, yes. But, you know, by 1981, you had, a, you had a murder rate. You had 635 homicides here. 25% of those bodies had automatic weapons bullets. Right. We talk about the uncomfortable reality of where a lot of modern Miami came from over something you just have to hit hard when in Miami in season. Stone crabs. Federal Reserve branch in Miami had a $5 billion cash surplus at mostly 50s and $100 bills, all of which had trace elements of cocaine on them. And the guys who were in cocaine trafficking in the 70s and 80s who got busted and went to prison got out and are now big Medicare fraudsters. Right. He's whispering because they're probably here. <laughs> so where's the money now? How's business in general in Miami? And where's that business coming from? Well, remarkably, the, the, the rebound from the Great Recession, I mean, people thought it would take almost a decade for all the condo inventory to get absorbed. And what seemed to happen almost overnight. By 2010, 2011, things had turned around here. We're in the middle of another huge boom. So who's buying? It's wealthy foreigners, a lot of flight capital uh, uh, from overseas, from Latin South America, uh, Russians. Russians? If it's money looted from another country, do we care? Trickle down, boys. It, trickle down. It has propped up Miami once again with another inflated uh, a bubble. And the right. question is, how long will it last? There's history, and there's the more immediate needs of the present. I need food presently, and perhaps some fine bourbon. And when I need good food in a city not my own, more and more these days I call somebody who, if they weren't good at enough things already, has become something of an expert on good food around the world. Every time I uh, check Instagram, you're eating with one of my culinary heroes. You've eaten at Jiro. Yes, you inspired that. Also, he seems to like you a lot better than me. Um. <laughs> Amir Khalib Thompson, known to most 
as Questlove. You've been to this place before. I live at this place. Really? Yes. Yardbird quickly became a Miami favorite, serving over-the-top Southern classics to well-heeled bon vivant like, well, us. The old joke was that James Brown was the hardest working man in show business. You make him look lazy. Let's review, okay? Band leader, producer, a teacher. Yeah. Oh, DJ. Yeah, and, and, and we're counting. I, I, have, I have, technically, I have 16 jobs right now. Deviled eggs with fresh dill and trout roe will be so over next year, but right now, I want like 10 more. Delicious. Fried green tomatoes with pork belly. This is the perfect thing for a guy who's looking to squeeze into a size 28 Speedo tomorrow and hit the beach. How often do you in Miami? Three to five times a year. What makes the Miami sound different than the Detroit sound, the Philadelphia sound, the New York sound, whatever? Right? You know what? Like, you can't say something specific like, well, Philadelphia had orchestral strings in their arrangement, whereas, you know, Stax Records had organ in theirs. But I do consider the sound of Miami to be the beginning of really great dance music. What's called 77 Elvis pancakes? Chocolate chip pancakes, bourbon maple syrup, banana compote, and peanut butter. Even if you're not the king, you'll want to die on the toilet like he did after this carbo load. And we're really doing the Elvis experience right. I should be eating a fistful of Percodan with that, Just right? <laughs> Yardberg's signature fried chicken comes with chilled spiced watermelon and cheddar cheese waffles. Here they brine the chicken for a day, 27 hours to be exact, in a spicy bath that includes cayenne and black pepper, garlic and onion. Tender inside and perfectly crispy on the outside. To me, I like waffles and I like chicken, but I don't understand waffles and chicken together. You still don't understand? No, I, I mean, look, I understand people deeply love them. And I do like waffles, and I do love fried chicken. I just put them on separate plates, and I'm okay. <laughs> you don't want your food integrated? Shrimp and Grits, a southern classic made with Florida shrimp, Virginia ham, and South Carolina stone ground grits. Completely the other subject, we're reading your book. Is it Curtis Mayfield you have bad associations with? Whenever I hear Curtis Mayfield's Brady's dead. Right. Just as a kid. That particular chord structure always frightened me. Aqualung, Jethro Tull. I whipped into a murderous rage right away. Even now? Even now. I'm angry that that band ever existed. I hate that whole English-y, old, barred, minstrelly, stand on one leg, mother hate that shit. You know, that, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you never know when you play people music, you know. Were they molested by a rodeo clown to that song? Right, you know? exactly. and, 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 and Jethro Tull is my version of that. <laughs> we all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details.
When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, during Sleep Number's President's Day sale, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed plus special financing for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See store for details. Who got here first? Who other than, say, some early Native American tribes and Spaniards? Caribbean blacks, most of whom were Bahamian. Bahamians figured heavily in the early development of South Florida, which began in earnest with the construction of railroads in the late 19th and early 20th centuries by this guy, Henry Morrison Flagler, the industrialist and tycoon largely credited with being the father of modern Florida. Flagler's dream was the Florida East Coast Railway, which would run from Jacksonville to Key West, connecting the ports of Miami to the rail system of the rest of the United States, creating along its route new towns, new cities, new Edens, where America's rising middle class could frolic and play. He also agreed to lay the foundation for a city on both sides of the Miami River. As more and more whites moved in, segregation took hold, and much of the Bahamian community was forced into black neighborhoods like Overtown and Liberty City. So if you're looking for old Miami, original Miami, you're looking to a great extent for black Miami. Today's Liberty City is mostly ignored by developers. But back in the day, it was the epicenter of the black community. A lot has happened since then. Corn beef, two pieces of pancakes, smoked sausage. Well, you need well eggs and eggs and cheese. Yeah, what do you usually Oh, have? man, the ball fishing grits. See, that's a Bahamian dish. Your parents were J- a Jamaican and Bahamian? Yes, my mother was uh, a Bahamian, my dad was Jamaican. Today, I'm having fish and grits at MLK Restaurant with this guy, Luther Campbell. A lot of good cooking tradition in the family. Oh, yeah, one night we have rice and peas, the other night we have peas and rice. <laughs> also known as Uncle Luke, or perhaps Luke Skywalker at various times. Luther is something of a musical, political, and legal legend, credited with pioneering what would be called Miami bass. Maybe you know him from such hits as Two Live Crew's Me So Horny and Do Wah Diddy, or the groundbreaking Fair Use Supreme Court case, Campbell versus Acuff Rose Music. end up different growing up in Miami than you would have grown up in, in L.A. or New York? People will say, oh, y'all Southern people, y'all South, y'all Bama, or whatever they want to call us. But in all actuality, we're an island town. I mean, Miami was made up 
of Bahamians that really built the city of Miami. So now you have a lot of different cultures. Caribbean, very, South American, yeah. very, 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 very different. Yeah. How is that that mix? How's that impacted the music? Oh, it's everything in the music. It's everything. I mean, when people think about me, they always say, oh, this guy made this booty shaking music. You know, everybody is dancing. Everybody's dancing in a sexual way. You know, Jamaicans, they'll whine. You know, the girls will stand up on you, and you pretty, I'm pretty sure you know about that. When the girls stand up on you, and they put their butt on you, and start whining, <laughs> you know? I, I, I've seen this uh, on television. <laughs> it's no different than a lap dance. Yeah. <laughs> Among your other accomplishments, uh, you ran for office. Yeah. About 70% Residents of Miami speak Spanish at home. Uh, Enormous African-American, Afro-Caribbean community. How come the state keeps electing conservative white guys? Conservative white guys, they'll pay them popular pastors. Don't say nothing. Don't energize your people. So you have a whole quiet community. You didn't get them excited about voting. It's the opposite of the get out the vote program. It's a don't bother to vote. It's don't vote. bother to vote. Take the governor's election. You know, African-Americans voted at 20%. If we would have voted at 50%, Charlotte Chris would have won the governor's race. Right. You were selling Miami to somebody. What's the best thing about Miami? Best weather. Yeah. How do you handle the cold if you have to tour or something and you got to spend a week or two weeks in New York or, or Detroit or uh, right. Chicago? I mean, my mindset is I don't have to deal with this every right. day. So I'm going back sunshine. So when I got that on my mind, you know, I can go into any city. I can go into a blizzard. No, I know I'm going out. Y'all stay. It's really good. Back inland, another world of flavors. Little Haiti. Just in case Miami didn't have enough tasty stuff from elsewhere. The B&M market is a grocery store with a four-seat cafe of sorts tucked away in the back. And they serve some of the dishes that make me happiest. Jerk chicken. Who doesn't love that? Curried goat, roti, and this. This cow foot soup. The real deal, too. Flavors and textures. Some next level stuff. That looks, by the way, unbelievable. Look at that. Just that jelly. That's so good. What's the best thing about Miami? The mix of cultures that we've got. What's the worst thing? You know what really pisses me off? I walk on the street and I say hi to people because that's kind of like how I am. Right. And I don't get a high back a lot here. To what do you attribute this? The transient part of it. People don't feel rooted. Mm -hmm. They're all from South America, Central America. Their whole plan is to come here, do what they can to send their family money to buy the homes of their dreams, and then go back and live in them, which is great. I would probably do the same thing. If I were to think about coming to Florida to live, what would seem attractive to me, and I mean this absolutely, find some place on the beach and descend into, you know, my liver-spotted, crocodile-skinned, you know, late-era George Hamilton phase, and, you know, walk up and down with my metal detector with, you know, shorts up to here. I mean, that would be me. But what I find, people who, who go to live that dream, after a few years, they don't go to the beach. Ask me when the last time I went to the beach was. When is the last time you went to the beach? About a year and a half ago. What the f is up with that? We're working. 
if you weren't working, do you think you'd be at the beach more often? My dream is to have a house on the beach. I don't know why I never go, but I love it. And I always say, I will never live in South Florida if I didn't live near water. And I live near water. And I do leave my doors open a lot. And I get the breeze, but I don't go to the beach. I barely even go in my swimming pool. But I know it's there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trying to wash away my sins Baby gone and left me I don't think she's coming back Before Miami bass Before the Miami sound machine There was a Miami sound The music, the original Miami sound we're talking about Came from this man, Willie Clark And this place What was this space originally? Well, this side was a little restaurant, mm -hmm. smaller than this, and we were on the other side with the record shop. Now it looks like a nondescript barbecue joint, but back in 1963, it was the home of Deep City Records. Willie Clark and his business partner Johnny Pearsall started Deep City, recording and promoting local talent out of Johnny's record shop. The label became a showcase for artists like Betty Wright and Helene Smith, Frank Williams and the Rocketeers, Johnny Killens and the Dynamites. Everything that you've ever been credited for, for either producing or writing it, is a very, very long list and an amazing list. It's about, it's about 1,200. 1,200 songs. It just flows. And I, I'm like a, what you might call a song mechanic. Mm -hmm. You bring it to me, I'll help you fix it. Willie and his writing partner, Clarence Blowfly Reed, wrote such classics as Clean Up Woman, Rockin' Chair, and Willie and Abel. Deep City was Miami's answer to Motown, a unique sound. In 50 years, 100 years from now, if you're to do an internet search and you punch in the Miami sound, your name is gonna come up right away as principal creator of the Miami sound. What, what were the distinctive features of the music you were making um, that separated it from Motown, Philadelphia, New York. The, the culture was a mixture of right. Bahamians, Jamaican, and then some people who have come down from Georgia and Alabama. Mm -hmm. But that, that Bahamian influence was dominant. Right. We would have uh, bands like the Junkanoo Band, and they would march from Overtown all the way to Liberty City and back and with big parades. So this influence of that, the dancing and the moving and the marching, I would say that was, that was the main difference. And you were teaching school to be a lot of this Yeah, period. I was teaching school. I would walk in the front door of the school, look around, put my sign in, and walk out of the back door. <laughs> <laughs> and go straight to the studio. But you know, the principal knew what I was doing. Yeah. I did most of the deep city music using that technique. If only I could fly I would take to the air. 
you're still out there, so your songs are still still being played, yeah. still being yeah. sampled. Yeah, which is yeah. good, right? I mean, that's that's great. Yeah. If it weren't for the samples, I don't know what I would do. The part of the record industry that kept us alive was Europe. The collectors must go crazy. The maniac collectors in uh, in Europe and, and and Japan. If I had known back then, if John and I had known how hot we were there, I guess we would still be over there on biggest Motown or bigger. So this is an island, isn't it? Yes, I mean, really, it is kind of an island. I think it's worse than the island. <laughs> Darling, I'm willing to forget about our past. Darling, I'm able to make our love last. I'm a one man's woman, and I'm willing and able to be loved. Oh, yes, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another day, another country. Miami's like that. You could eat your way across the Caribbean and through all of Latin America. And then over to Africa, if you like. It's all there. Pepito's Plaza is Venezuelan. And if you know anything about me, you know I love few things more than big, new, unusual, comes from somewhere else, mutant versions of the giant hamburger. And this one? This one is something special. Okay, so this is the deal. This is all Venezuelan, which means everything's kind of protein on protein on protein. And it's all about a lot of sauces. All right, so we're going to do the Doralzuela. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Okay. What is this neighborhood? Some people call it Doral. Some people call it Doralzuela, which is uh, Petite Venezuela. And yeah, you're way west. And you'll pretty much hear everybody speaking Spanish. There's almost no English spoken. Most people in Miami speak Spanish at home. Absolutely. A lot over half. Yeah. Even if they're not Latin. Right. Because you can't really get a job if you're in the service industry especially. You have to speak Spanish. Meat on meat is something of a Venezuelan specialty. And this one has got what? A beef patty, ham, egg, six varieties of sauces, crispy matchstick potatoes, and cheese. It's big. Big, I tells you. You gotta demolish it in stages, like you're imploding a casino, or, or like a hyena grabbing an antelope on the hoof. You try and tunnel through the soft parts first. This is a sort of an engineering challenge. A larger mouth, possibly? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna start crying. Look, you get that thing. All right, I'm going in. Good God. Yes or no? <laughs> It's delicious, but... It's a little much, right? There's no way this thing is holding together to the last bite. All right, I can't even get the whole thing. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. This is open to 4 a.m., so there's definitely a time of day when that seems like a perfectly reasonable idea. If you drink too much, this will pretty much take care of everything that ever ailed you. Long a refuge for people from all over the Caribbean basin and Latin America, Miami was also an inviting place for Americans who just wanted to get off the grid, live differently, make their own rules. If you've ever read the excellent Travis McGee novels of John D. McDonald, you'll remember Travis, the mystery-solving boat bum who lived on a houseboat in Miami, the busted flush. 
people used to live like that. Less and less today. When uh, my wife passed away a few years ago, I was living in a condo and didn't want to do that anymore. Now I'm, I'm on this piece of iron. Bob Dazavedo, a.k.a. Captain Bob, however, is still here and still living on his boat in the Miami River. We sit out here and we look like we're enjoying ourselves, but it's really hard work. You know, just sitting here looking pretty. <laughs> it's not for everybody, so. But yeah, it's, it's a good life. I've had many friends over the years who live on boats, work on boats, but these were just degenerate wind addicts, right. you know? This is more of a lifestyle choice for you. It is. It's got a machine shop on board, and, and I kind of wanted to get down into Bahamas and let the boat pay for itself, earn its own keep. And, of course, the economy tanked, and now I'm living on it. <laughs> the 25-ton steel-hulled achievement doesn't do much moving around these days, but it might have to soon. Who, who else lives like you? It used to be very common. Yeah. It's getting scarcer. So how long do you think you got? Uh, six months, a year. Really? That, that complex that's going up right there, you see all the tower crane. We sit here and watch them put the buildings up, and they're coming closer. They're creeping this way. Yeah. You're not moving on a land anytime soon, if you can no. avoid it. Here, you know, life keeps flowing by. I wave and keep on keeping on. Miami's the kind of place you say, that could never be me. And then, it is. So here you've been here how many years now? Uh, 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. You were a Floridian. Yeah. When I was young, this man was a role model, an ideal, a roadmap for bad behavior. His music, it turned out, was the soundtrack for most of my life. Still is. James Osterberg of Muskegon, Michigan known still all over the world as Iggy Pop. You grew up in Michigan. You've lived in New York for a long period of time. I went from Michigan to London. I went from London to Hollywood, which was rough. Hollywood to Berlin, which was great. Back to London. And then New York uh, from 79 to 99. Was it a conceivable option at any point earlier on to say, you know, I could live in Florida? Yeah, it wasn't for me. I was hustling, right. hustling in a big city. It just kind of happened by chance. I had a shady friend who owned a condo here. And uh, I thought, well, this is a nice little trashy hang. Uh, you could just pull up to the beach anytime you wanted and look out and see the end of complications. And anybody could do that, and it was safe and free. And I thought, that's a, this is beautiful. So we're eating healthy today. Yeah. What do you like here? I wouldn't have thought back then in my dorm room that all those years later, I'd be eating healthy with Iggy Pop. 
barbecue shrimp for the godfather of punk, I get wild and crazy with some roast pork. A little white wine are only tilt towards the debauches of previous lives. I well remember the first Stooges album coming out, the context of the time. This, this was, what, 69? 69, 69, August. In a lot of ways, as far as looking after my health, your music early on was a negative example. I hear you. And, and looking at my own life and career, I'm pretty much known for traveling around the world and recklessly drinking and eating to excess. Yeah, sure. What does it say about us that we are now sitting in a healthy restaurant I just came from the gym, and we're in Florida. Listen, if you just flamed out, you're in, you know, you're in such voluminous and undistinguished company, and then all your works will flame out quicker with you. What's a perfect day in Miami? It's a clear morning, hot, hot and humid. No moderate or any of that crap, no hot, hot, humid. The sun comes up in a hazy, tropical, orange orb. And you're not working. You're not out of schedule. Uh, and you have no meetings, but you have somebody fun to spend the time with. And then you would go to the beach when the sun isn't right overhead yet because the beach faces east, the sun sparkles on the water. And the sparkle was very nice. So, positive. You're the template for the rock star, meaning other rock stars sort of look to you to figure out how should I behave along with that Look, even at its worst, even if you're broke, if you're a guy who had various points in life, has pretty much one way or the other been able to have a lot of things and ordinary people would never have. You've yeah. had many, many adventures. I know. Given that, what thrills you? The nicest stuff right now is just very embarrassing, but it's really embarrassing. Being loved and and actually appreciating the people that are giving that to me. I don't see any birds at all here today. It's so quiet. Is this the reward phase of your life, or is it just dump luck? It has been mostly, I think, a reward phase for st stuff I did up till the age 30. Stuff you had to do on instinct, not on intelligence. See, I think you deserve it. Oh, okay. uh, but when I look at my own life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm ambivalent. I mean, I'm still not so sure, you know? I'm still curious. You seem like a curious person. It's there, my only virtue. There you go. All right. <laughs> curious is a good thing to be, you know? It seems to pay some uh, unexpected dividends. I am a passenger.
And I guess that's what it comes down to. All of it. Led here. I write a book. I get a TV show. I live my dreams. I meet my hero. Two old men on a beach. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.